Today we are in part 16 of our study of the book of John. Hasn't the book of John been fantastic? Totally fantastic. In fact, you know, just reading the Bible is it's just life. You're know, just reading it. It's life. And God has said in his word that when we talk about his word, he opens a book of remembrance for us. So today, God, we open a book of remembrance for each and every one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. Before we dive into our text for today, which is John 7, 25 to 52, we have um, a question to open this session. And that question is, can you remember a time when you spoke up for Jesus even though it was not convenient? Anybody? Can you remember a time when you spoke up for Jesus even though it wasn't convenient or it was, it was clumsy or you, would have, um, you could lose your reputation, you know? Or if you had any, if you, you could lose your, your, your PR, you know? And and all that. But you, you did anyway. Or you didn't if you didn't. <laughs> okay. There's a hand there. And there's another hand there. Um, yes, please. Um, I remember in my line of work, I do um, human capital development, which is training, but for the hospitality industry. So I found myself um, changing my modus operandi when I was giving examples of things that happen within the workplace and trying to give examples from the word of God. Um, obviously, I'll ask within the crowd who is Muslim and who is um, Christian. And we found that at least 99% of everyone who's working in most organizations would be um, Christian. So giving those examples gave me an even more competitive edge because people resonated with it and they reflected on it, right. and it made me um, also see that, you know, it's not all about work. You know, you try to incorporate um, life lessons into what happens at work. So that was something that I had never done before, and I've continued to do that in all of my trainings. Amen. You know, and, and the truth is that a lot of these institutions, even though they don't give credit to the Word of God, a lot of those principles are directly from the word of God, you know. And what about us that are Christians? Shouldn't we? Yes. It was, um, I think, I just gave my life to Christ and I traveled home for Christmas. I was the sister in the family that used to hang out with the brothers and, you know, just hang out with them. So that Christmas I was with my brothers and they had one very interesting friend. You know, and for some reason, we started talking about God. And this guy was insistent on, he was quoting some scripture from Deuteronomy about tithing, that you're supposed to take your tithe and buy, buy drinks. And the Bible says you should buy drinks and be happy. I didn't know the scriptures, so I couldn't, you know, his quote at that time. Use I was, your tithes, buy drinks and be happy. And be happy. <laughs> 
okay. I knew it was wrong. I knew, but I didn't have any scripture to quote because I was I was new to the faith and it was it was difficult. I was upset. I I couldn't really, you know. And I just kept quiet there, boiling after a while. I got up and I, I left. I told him, I said, I don't know, I don't have the scriptures to quote to give you back, but I know that this thing you are saying is wrong. Praise God. Okay, at least you stood up. Our text is from John chapter 7, and we're going to read from verse 25 to 52. John 7, from 25 to 52. Some of the people who lived in Jerusalem started to ask each other, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? But here he is speaking in public and they say nothing to him. Could our leaders possibly believe that he is the Messiah? But how could he be? For we know where the man comes from. When the Messiah comes, it will simply appear. They didn't even read their Bible. No one will know where it comes from. While Jesus was teaching in the temple, he came out. He called out, yes, you know me and you know where I come from. But I am not here on my own. The one who sent me is true, and you don't know him. But I know him because I came from him. And he sent me to you. Then the leaders tried to arrest him, but no one could lay, lay, no one laid, hand, laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. Many among the crowds at the temple believed in him. After all, they said, what would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than this man has done? Verse 32. When the Pharisees heard that the crowds were whispering such things they and the leading priests sent temple guards to arrest Jesus but Jesus told them I will be with you only a little longer then I will return to the one who sent me you will search for me but not find me and you cannot go where I am going <laughs> the Jewish leaders were puzzled by this statement where is he planning to go? They asked. Is he thinking of leaving the country or going to the Jews in other lands? Maybe he will even teach the Greeks. What does it mean when he says, you will search for me, but not find me? And you cannot go where I am going. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. 
For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from the heart, from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who will be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. When the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, surely this man is the prophet we have been expecting. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still, others said, but it can't be. Will this Messiah come from Galilee? For the scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. Where was Jesus born? You know, like we learned last week, they were not looking beyond the surface and they were judging wrongly. So this guy is from Galilee. <laughs> Some even wanted to arrest him or wanted him arrested, but no one laid a hand on him. When the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and the Pharisees demanded why didn't you bring him in? They responded, we have never heard anyone speak like this. The guards responded, have you been led astray too? The Pharisees mocked at the guards. Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees? Who believe in him? Can't you see that those of us that are educated and learned, none of us is following him? This foolish crowd follows him, but they are ignorant of the law. God's curse be on them all. Then Nicodemus says, Kisa. <laughs> you remember Nicodemus? The leader who had met with Jesus earlier spoke up. May you speak up for Jesus. And said, is it even legal to convict a man before giving him fair hearing? For giving a hearing? He asked. They replied, are you from Galilee too? <laughs> Search the scriptures and see for yourself no prophet ever comes from Galilee. The Lord blessed the reading and the understanding of those. Okay, that's not where it stopped. There's 53. 53. Uh, I didn't include 53. Okay. 53 says, and they all packed their bags and went home. <laughs> that was the end of the story. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, uh, there's so much in this. It's, it's totally, totally, I mean, loaded. And we are tempted to break it up. Can I have the outline? But if I'm writing today, you have to write pretty fast because we've decided not to break it up. 
So straight up, we see in verse 25 to 27 that some people who lived in Jerusalem started to ask each other, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? But he's speaking publicly. And if you look at that whole story of Jesus from, from chapter 1, that, uh, verse 1 that we, we started with last week, um, with Pastor Lamide, we will see seven categories of people in this story. Clearly, there's an eighth category, but seven categories of people in this story. The first category of people are the clueless. The clueless. The clueless. These people are those that said, who wants to kill you? You are demon-possessed. Do you remember that? You are demon-possessed. Who wants to kill you? What's going on? How can you say anybody wants to kill you? How can you say you have enemies? You know? How can you say there's spiritual warfare? How can you say that there's a supernatural world? They're clueless. These are the people that say your own is too much. Your own is too much. You're always following God. You're always praying. You're always reading your Bible. You're always going to church. You're always, your own is too much. You're clueless. And it's just best to ignore them. The second category are the puzzled. The puzzled. The puzzled. And those, that, those are the ones that said, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? How come nobody's arresting him? They are confused. They are puzzled. How come nobody's arresting him? If he was the criminal right now that we, the whole of Jerusalem has been look, Judea has been looking for, he's here now. Why can't somebody arrest him? Now remember, Jesus was hiding in Galilee, in the north of the of the um, country, and this was going on in the south. Jesus was avoiding the south because they were looking to kill him. Then his brother said, go and show yourself. And he said he wasn't going. You know the story. You were here last week, right? And he eventually went. So they are puzzled. Could he actually be the miser? Is that why our leaders are not, are not laying hold on him? So they are not clueless. They are abreast of the issues. They know what is going on. They know what the current affair is. But they cannot connect the dot. They don't know how to link what they can see. And there are a lot of people in the world today. They are clueless. They are clueless. We are seeing events happening. But they are clueless. They are saying that, well... Supposedly, Russia poisoned the double spies, right? The whole world is cutting off Russia and sending them back, the diplomats back home. Putin is threatening to, that there will be consequences. North Korea guy has gone to China for a meeting. What could they be saying? But... What could all these things mean? 
And a whole lot of people are in the category of the clueless. Like this, the puzzle, sorry. That they're not clueless, but they're puzzled. This is all happening at once. Then all of a sudden, there's Wakanda. <laughs> you are trying to say, <laughs> what is that to do with the price of fish? <laughs> what does it mean? So we see the, the clueless, we see the, the puzzled, the, we see the rulers. They have, those are those that have an anti-Christ agenda. The rulers, even in our time, we have people that deliberately push agendas that are against Christ, against his church. All around us. Then number four, we have the temple guards. Those are the ones that carry out the mission of the rulers. The temple guards are agents of the enemy. They could be your colleagues, but they have an assignment to arrest you. They could be your neighbor, but they have an assignment to hinder you or to bring you in, the temple guards. Then the brothers of Jesus, those are the ones that will mock at you. Those are the ones that will say, "Ah, uh-uh, you are so powerful. Go and show yourself to the world. If you don't listen to what they are not saying, you will think they are promoting you and promoting your interest. You wouldn't know that they are actually mocking, mocking you. The brothers. Everyone say brothers. <laughs> they are brethren. You know? But they will mock you. Then you have the disciples, John and Co., those that followed Jesus. That's number six. How many did I say there, there are? Seven. And number seven, we have the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, the Savior. And in this, in this light, we are the disciples, or rather, we should be the disciples. When we have a mission of Christ, we should be the ones pushing it. We should be the disciples that are backing it up. We should be the disciples that are supporting the master and being there for him, being his hands, being his legs, being his voice, being his eyes, being his feet. However, sometimes... God wants you and I to be the Christ. That may sound like uh, blasphemy, but it isn't. God will want you and I to be the Savior. There are situations God puts you in for you to redeem the situation. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, actually redeems the situation. And when you find yourself in that Everybody has a destiny to fulfill in Christ. When you find yourself in that, you are going to have these other six categories around you. You are going to have the brothers, the disciples that support you. You are going to have the brothers that mock you. 
You're going to have the temple guards that try to arrest you. There'll be the rulers that are anti-you. There'll be the puzzled that know enough but can't connect the dots. And there'll be the clueless. They're like, what's going on? Who is this lady? Who, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? But in the perspective of being followers of Christ, who are you in this list? If Jesus is the Christ, who are you? Where are you in this list? Clueless? Puzzled? Ruler? Temple guard? Brethren? Disciple? God wants us to be disciples. And that's why we're here. Praise the Lord. By the time we get to verse 30, verse 30 says, Then the leaders tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. And the reason is because what? His time had not yet come. No one will kill you before your time. It will be impossible for any force to take you out before your time. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Children of faith. (laughs) But you see, people die before their time every day. So the question is, why do people die before their time? Why do people die before their time? He wants to help us. Why do people die before their time? Now, I didn't say why do, why do people die young. <laughs> I didn't say why do people die old. <laughs> Some people die young at their time. Yeah, Jesus died at 33. It was his time. In fact, in John 12, 13, He says, now my time has come. It was his time. It was only 33. For some of us, we call that an untimely death. (laughs) No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Moses died at 120. It was his time at 120. So it's not, why do people die young or why do people die old? If you live old beyond your time, you become a nuisance to everybody. You become a nuisance to everybody. The king that said to the Lord, when God said to him, your time has come, put your house in order, you are going to go. And he faced the war. And the prophet came back and says, thus says the Lord, I've added 15 more years. In those 15 years, he wrecked everything he built. In fact, he left curses for his children in those extra 15 years. So living beyond your time is not very useful for all of us. Neither is it very useful for you, neither is it very useful for the Lord. (laughs) So, again, question, why do people die before their time? People definitely do die before their time. 
Why do people die before their time? Who wants to help us? Okay, sir and Ma, then we'll go on from there. Yes, sir. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think it can be tied to the fear of death itself. Um, something like a, a fellow who wants to, who doesn't want to get to the stream before he fetched water. So, just like when a plane is crashing, just the shock that, oh, this plane is going to shock. Oh, okay. So, that already. fear can even kill them yeah. before their before time. Before the death itself uh, before comes. Before the death itself comes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I get emotional when I talk about my brother because I just lost him some few months ago. And the lesson I learned during his passing, like I was telling my siblings and some of his friends and family members, was like, sometimes we choose wrongly. Uh. You know, the Bible said, by their fruit, you will know them. And the same Bible says, life and death I have placed before you. Choose life uh. so that you might live. But unfortunately, most people, they rather choose death. Uh because of the kind of life that they live. For instance, you don't expect somebody that goes into smoking, drinking, and all of that. Of course, it's damaging their body right. to live beyond some life expectancy. Right. The person will definitely die young so, or die you know, before their time. And that is just the way, okay. that's so, just the lesson I learned. So there's, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is, she's done with the mic. Thank you. Um, so the decisions um, we make, definitely. Um, so thank you, both of you, for that contribution. <laughs> In addition to what they have said, from this story of Jesus, what... Thing, one thing we can learn from Jesus and that shows us why people die before their time is people don't know how to hide before it is time to shine. If you try to shine before it is time, you're asking for untimely death. There's a place to hide. Jesus, the maker of the heavens and the earth, was hiding from Judea. You read that last week, right? Was he? Okay, he was a coward, right? Jesus is a coward. When God gave the Jews a deliverer, Moses, God hid him. Could God have prevented Pharaoh from killing Moses? Of course. But God doesn't work like that. Moses had to hide. And guess where God hid Moses? In Pharaoh's palace. <laughs> he hid Moses in Pharaoh's palace. But Moses had to hide. When Moses jumped the gun and tried to deliver Israel, 
before it is time. He tried to shine before it is time. He almost lost his life. He had to run. And he went to hide for how long? 40 years. Another 40 years, he was hiding. Jesus was born. Herod wanted to kill the children that was born two years and below. Could Jesus? He was God, even though he was baby Jesus. Could he have had his angels protect him? Could God have sent his angels to protect Jesus? Yes. But instead, God told them to run and hide. There's a place to hide. In John 7, 1. John 7, 1. He says, after Jesus traveled around Galilee, he wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting to kill him, plotting his death. John 8, 59. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them. And left the temple. If Jesus didn't know how to hide, he would have died before it's time. Period. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. There are some of us, they have issued such warrant for us, but they can't find us. Because we are where? the sacred place of the most high. We are hiding. The value of your life. Is directly proportional to the quality of your hiding. I know you are writing very fast. <laughs> you can drop the pen. <laughs> or rather you don't drop the pen. Right. The, 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 value of your, the, the value of your life. No man is stronger than his hiding place. No man is stronger than his hiding place. You must have me, her, have gone into the rock. Just cleft for me. That's that's just what the hymn saying. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the waters and the blood from the wounded side which flows. You need to learn to hide. It's not weakness, it's actually a strength. God 
gives you an idea. The first thing is to hide. Many people advertise the idea and the idea gets killed before it's time. Everything has a timing with God. The word of God says, and the child was in the wilderness until the day of his showing to all Israel. If he came out a day before the showing, he's asking for trouble. Praise the name of the Lord. This is, it's, it's not even A-level stuff. It's fundamentals. These are fundamentals, but it's also A-level stuff because there are levels that it gets um, pretty deep. Praise the Lord. By the time we get to verse 31, these people said, after all, would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than this man has done? So, so, the, so the issue is, what else do you want him to do to prove that he's the Messiah? The people that won't believe you won't believe you no matter what you say. So stop stressing yourself. Stop depressing yourself. The people that won't believe you won't believe you. The people that won't accept you will not accept you. The people that will not welcome you will not welcome you. Jesus, this was Jesus himself. The people said, what else do you want this guy to do? Preaching, he did there. Teaching, he did there. Healing, he did. If I erase the dead... He opened blind eyes. What else do you want him to do to show that he's the Messiah? Even his brothers mocked him. So you need to detach yourself from the opinions of men. You need to detach yourself from the opinions of men. Totally. You need to say to yourself, if you are struggling with this, you need to say to yourself every day, I am not who I think I am. I am not what people say that I am. I am who God says that I am. I am who God says that I am. I'm not who Twitter says that I am. I'm not who... Facebook says that I am. I'm not who the internet says that I am. I'm not even who... You know, sometimes even your parents don't know who you are. I am who God says that I am. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus had seven brothers. Two of his brothers eventually became followers of Christ. They became believers after the resurrection. And they became so strong. James was, was one of the leaders in the Jerusalem church. Jude was the brother of Jesus. The person that wrote the book of Jude, brother of Jesus. The person that wrote the book of James, brother of Jesus. In fact, they call him James the Just. 
if you hear what they said, years after Jesus had died and resurrected, in James 1 verse 1, this was, this was James. It says, this letter is from James, the slave of God and the slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the... James is not saying, this is James, the brother of Jesus. <laughs> you know, this were the people that say, go and show yourself. The same people we read in verse 1. His brothers, go and show yourself. They were mocking him. Go and show yourself. Jude. one one. This letter is from Jude. A slave of Jesus Christ. And the brother of James. <laughs> James the just. The brother of James the just. I am, you see, by the time they come into the full revelation of who their brother was, they were like, ah. And the big lesson for us here is Jesus did not wait for them to accept him before he became who God has called him to be. He didn't wait for them. If Jesus had waited for their approval before he became all that God has called him to be, he will never fulfill his destiny. Never. Jesus went ahead and fulfilled his destiny regardless. And you see, when you fulfill your destiny regardless, the same people will say, ah, no, we know man after the flesh. In other words, ah, we can't relate to this guy. Or this lady by the flesh. This is a huge lesson. So don't sit around trying to convert people to be your, your fans. <laughs> Some people will never be your fan. Some people will only be your fan after you have become who God has made you to be. So why are you waiting? Go ahead and be a champion. Praise the Lord. Verse 35 to 36. You know, they were like, where is he going? Is he going to Galilee? They, they, they talked down on Galilee. Galilee was a, was a place, was a part of the country that the, they were very lax, if you will. There was nothing very useful happening there. But Jesus associated with them. They were like, oh, is he even going to preach to the Greek but Jesus was talking about his resurrection. Jesus was saying, I'm going to a place you don't know. Where I am, you can't come. When I, and how will he get to that place? He needs, he needs to die and resurrect. So Jesus was talking about his resurrection. This is purely about now, our time. Jesus is saying, I am going to the Father. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 37 to 39. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood up and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. 
For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from, the, from, the, from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who had not been given to everyone because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, um, the, the intro to this whole series, it was this passage of scripture, do you remember, you know, that, that we used, you know, the, the background to this is, the climax of the feast, of the festival. Obviously, from last week, we already know the festival that was going on. What festival was it? Pardon me? Of the tabernacle. Festival of, the, of tabernacle, also known as the festival of shelters or festival of booths or Sukkot. So, it was the festival of the tabernacle. Now, there are two things about the festival of tabernacle. There's a historical dimension and there's an agricultural dimension to the festival of tabernacles. The historical dimension to the festival of tabernacles was that the Jews were in the wilderness and they were living in tents. They were living in booths. They were living in shelters. So God instituted this festival so that they never forget where they are coming from. This is, you see, and, and that is God for you. God is a God of remembrance. God always wants you, when you become big and mighty, God always wants you to remember the days of little beginnings. But sometimes, many times, we want to forget. It's even easier to forget. Do you know that it's very easy to forget affliction? When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, <laughs> like them that dream, it is easy to forget. I mean, I've seen people that... Struggle for so long. God helped them. They become, the way they carry themselves, it's as if they came out from the womb. They look down on everybody. I'm like, you were there. So the historical dimension was that God wanted them to always remember the time they were in the wilderness without water. Exodus 7, 1 to 7, Moses had to get water from the rock. The agricultural dimension to it is that the period that this festival happens is the time, September our time, the time known from September to the end of the year, the time known as the ingathering, of the crops. So it's a time of harvest. And in gathering is a special kind of harvest where you bring in everything from the year and everything that had been from the previous year. So the farmers and the harvesters, because the harvest usually is so much, they have to stay in the farm in, under boots, under shelters, under tabernacles. That's the background. Now, when the Bible says that on the last day of the feast, what happens on the last day of the feast? What happens? I tell you. So by the time we read that scriptures, everything just connects. What happens on the last day of the feast is this. And this is, um, every Jew knows this. 
is documented in other books apart from the Bible. It's in the books of the Jews, Mishnah. The high priest will lead a procession from the temple to Siloam. The pool of Siloam is a walking distance from the temple. Remember the pool of Siloam? What happened at the pool of Siloam? Okay, just stay on track. So it leads the congregation of the people and they are chanting and reciting scriptures. Chanting and reciting scriptures. It takes a pitcher or a bucket, it fetches water, and he goes back to the temple. Reading scriptures of God's salvation, scriptures of God's deliverance, like Psalm 118, verse 25. Psalm 118, verse 25. Psalm 118, verse 25. Did I not give you those scriptures? I didn't. Oh, okay, sorry. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's a scripture of God's salvation. And when, when they get to the temple and for, of God's goodness, for the Lord is good and his mercies endures forever. When they get to the temple, all the people are gathered. That was the climax. It's just like God's rule against every day, if you will. In our, in our whole, it, it, is not, it is not the first day of the vigil. It wasn't the, the pray, first day of prayer, praise chain. It wasn't even the last day of the vigil. It was the day of everybody has gathered. And the high priest takes the pitcher and pours the water. And when he pours the water, he quotes Isaiah 12, 3. With joy will you draw out waters from the well of salvation. And that was supposed to be the climax of the festival. And right there and then, imagine as it was pouring the water, Jesus stood up and said, whoever is thirsty, come to me and drink. (laughs) He signed his death warrant. Because these people can't look at it. They, 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 they understood that their fathers, that's why they kept asking him, are you greater than Moses? And he says, before Moses was, I am. I made Moses. We should come to you, you from Galilee. There's, according to them, there's no single prophet from Galilee. We should come to you and you will give us Living waters. The old place was silent. It's either this guy is the Messiah or he's crazy. It, it's just one of those two. Because someone in his right senses will not try that with the Jews. They will stone you to death. So everywhere was quiet. He held them spellbound. He says, if you thirst, not the water that Moses gave you. You tested again when you drank that water. Not the water that Jacob gave you, as he said to the Samaritan woman. You will thirst again. But anyone that drinks of the water I will give will not thirst again. 
can imagine people coming to meet him after Oga, oh, give me this water. Don't mind that high priest. Give me this water. Let me drink. <laughs> give for my wife too. Give for my children too. Let us all drink. Praise the name of the Lord. So we see here that when we read to we read to 39, right? Jesus was standing there with the people and in fact he was standing in, in, in the shadow of death practically in the valley of the shadow of death because they could mob him they could, the person that stones him will be decorated do you know that? the person that killed him will, will have been celebrated yet in the shadow of death Jesus shouts the word of life the word of life. And that's a lesson for all of us. It's a lesson for all of us. Sometimes you are going through stuff. You're like, this thing I'm going through is too hard. This phase of life is too difficult. How can I sing the Lord's song in a slave land? I'm in, the, I'm in captivity. God, deliver me first. Then I will rejoice. God says rejoice while you are there. Then I will deliver you. Jesus was in a very difficult place, but yet he spoke the words of life. Clearly, if you check scriptures, Jesus never calls himself the water. He always says, I will give you the water. Why? Because the water is, is a symbol reserved for the Holy Spirit. You have to know that as a Bible student. You have to know that the water, water as the scripture signifies the Holy Spirit. Reading 42, 40 to 42, quickly. It says, when the crowd heard him say this, some of them declared, surely this man is the prophet we have been. You know, because nobody is, is either is crazy or is the prophet. Nobody can try this. Surely he's the prophet we have been expecting. Others says he is the Messiah. But obviously you will have others that will still say, it can't be, Joe. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? You know, skeptics Ignorant skeptics. For the scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born, which was where Jesus was born. But because they won't do their own work. What criticism do for you is that it gives you a cheap sense of relevance. That's, that's what it does. You think, oh, you've seen loopholes. You, you can criticize. Any fool can see loopholes. Praise the Lord. Of course. And it hinders you from doing your own work because you think you already know when you don't even know anything. So this people don't even know anything. Jesus was born in where they said 
he wasn't born. But did Jesus bring out his birth certificate? Did he become a birth certificate argument? Like Obama? No. 45 to 46. He says, when the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and the Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? Ah, Oga, we have never heard anyone speak like this. <laughs> now, the, 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 the temple guards were exclusively from the tribe of Benjamin. They were, they were because, because, because um, Israel was in occupation. So they, they couldn't have a standing army because of Rome, Caesar, and all that. So the, the finest of their military is usually from the tribe of Benjamin. Historically, the tribe of Benjamin is the bravest tribe among the people of Israel. In fact, if you, if you check Hosea 5.8, it says, Blow ye the cornet in Gibeah and the trumpet in Ramah. Cry aloud at Beth Aven. After thee, O Benjamin. It is a phrase among the Jews. After thee, O Benjamin. When they go to war, Benjamin usually is in front. So the temple guards are the finest and the bravest. Because the best they can do is to have um, a religious force. Not a governmental force. And these were sent to bring in Jesus. And they had disobeyed the orders from the most powerful man in Israel, the high priest. The high priest was the most powerful man. He gave them an instruction. The bravest, strongest, well-equipped. Go and bring in this guy. They came. They heard Jesus speak. They said, Chai. <laughs> you cannot arrest this man, no. They went back to the most powerful man in the land. And they said, the only excuse they had was, oh, God, nobody speaks like him, including you. <laughs> we have listened to your sermon. It's not like this one. <laughs> that was their defense, verse 46. We have never heard anyone speak like this. The guards responded, not even you. You mean all, all of us that are Pharisees that we are learned, you know? I say, we, the guy is not on your level, though. No? You know? That must have really upset them. Because the typical man is full of ego. You can, you have two options. You can navigate your life with your ego or you can navigate your life with your brain. You can't do the two. You cannot. If you navigate your life with your ego, you are going down the drain. 
Because pride comes before it fall. If you navigate your life with your brain, you know, the game of golf is like life. If you play golf with your ego, you are going to suffer. You go for the ego shots, you are going to cry. But if you play with your brain, your brain, put your ego aside. Your friends are standing by. You want to impress them. You want to curve the ball to go like that. But there's water there. But you can go like this, JJ. Sometimes it's good to try those words. But if that is what rules your game, you are going down. Same thing with life. You can't run, guide your life with your ego. The problem with the high priests and co is that they are driven with ego. That's all. And when ego drives you, it blinds you. You can't even see. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Interesting stuff. By the time we get to verse 47, 47 to 51, I'm I'm, I'm pulling the curtains. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Now, it says, have you been led astray to? The high priest mocked. You know, that's all. To mock people, talk down on them, make them feel less than they, they are. That is egocentric people. That's how, they, that's how they operate. Is there a single one of us rulers, we rulers, of Pharisees who believe in him? Can't you follow correct example? This foolish crowd follow him, but they are ignorant of the law. Cause cause be upon them. And Nicodemus says, Oh God. <laughs> he didn't say much, but he said enough to let them know that I am for Jesus. He says, can, can, can we convict a man? Is it legal to convict a man before giving, he's giving a hearing? Nicodemus spoke up for Jesus. Beginning this season, you need to speak up for Jesus. There are people around you that are far from God. You need to speak up for Jesus. You need to speak up for Jesus. Because if you love Jesus, you will speak up for him. Speak up for him. That's what is there. If you love Jesus, you will speak up for him. If you love him, you will speak up for him. If you love someone, you speak up for them. Imagine you, 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 go, you go for a family meeting and they are, your, your husband's people are abusing you, abusing you. Your husband is just there using toothpicks. <laughs> Meanwhile, they are abusing you, they are abusing you. And you are looking at him and he looks at you and looks away. And he doesn't stand up for you. What would you how would you feel? Then he gets up, he says, Oh, I love you. You love who? <laughs> Same thing. Don't speak up for your husband. You don't love him. 
If you love Jesus, you will speak up for him. In verse 52. Interesting. Listen to this. It says, they replied, are you from Galilee too? <laughs> you know, that is classic ego-centric man. Always looking for who to talk down. When they don't agree with him, make them feel ridiculous people. Make them feel less than, than human. He says, ah, are you from Galilee to Nicodemus? But you are learned. Search the scriptures. See for yourself. No prophet comes from Galilee. Lie. These guys are too deep. But their ego will make them twist the truth. Nicodemus knew that it was a lie. There was a notable prophet from Galilee, Jonah. Jonah was from Galilee. There's no rabbi in Israel that doesn't know Jonah. In fact, there's no Christian in our time who doesn't know Jonah. Everybody does, but you don't know where he's from. But the way they are brought up is that they learn the history of the prophets. Who is the father? Where he's from? And all that and all that. So, when you say there is no Nicodemus just looked at them and, and kept quiet. Because we both know the truth. That that is not correct. Who even says that's the criteria? Can't God decide to bring a prophet from anywhere he chooses? Even if there's no history of the prophetic from there. They were wrong. Totally. So Nicodemus said, enough said. I've said my own. <laughs> and see what happens next in verse 53. It says, then the meeting broke up and everyone carried their bags and went home. Every gathering against you will break up. Everywhere they are being, you are being discussed in a negative way to bring you down. That meeting will break up. In the name of Jesus. Better say amen. Because if they have meeting for Jesus, do you think they won't have meeting for you? but it will collapse in the name of Jesus. And God will raise Nicodemuses that will speak for you when you are not present. Even places you cannot even be present in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.